to a gem of a secret podcast. My name's Donna. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How are you tonight, Coco? I am flustered. Why are you flustered? Um, I just, I've had a long day, Donna. <laughs> it's a really long day. I feel that. This weather has got me feeling all types of ways. Uh, I... We had a blizzard today, and then also rain and hail and thunderstorm. And all it's supposed to snow again Ugh, this week. Gross. It's April. Like, what the... F- actual fuck is yeah. happening like i know that people it's funny a, a co-worker of mine said april shower a, april showers bring me flowers i was like no they didn't say hail and thunderstorms no they didn't they didn't like, include road closures god and forbid you tried to like garden this year i've noticed that our tulips have sprouted in the backyard and they're still going strong despite the snow covering them on monday but um oh that's so nice i do like our tulips yeah um I really do. What are you wearing this evening, Donna? Well, I'm actually dressed up as Bulma from Dragon Ball Z. Oh, wow. So, you know. Come on, Bulma. <laughs> just, just rocking my Bulma get up. Uh, my short little bob. That's uh, really cute, because yeah. um, I'm dressed up as Velma from Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. Um, I just really wanted to wear an ugly burnt orange sweater with a complimentary burnt orange skirt, but in a different like form of burnt orange. Yeah. And then I have a cute little black bob, because, you know, I wanted to be ethnic. Jinkies. <laughs> Jinkies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that our outfits fit, because we are discussing nostalgia on this episode. Nostalgia. Yeah. Like, you know when the world was such an easier time when we were chittering? Yeah, why... The world is incredibly heavy, and... <laughs> it's so heavy. We've always said that, um, especially over the this last year, with how awful things have been. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be so negative. But honestly, it's been, it's been a rough few years. It's been very difficult. It has been. And I've been recently, you know, in the job market trying to look for more remote work from home and Mm -hmm. it is brutal out there yeah it is very difficult it's yeah the job market's kind of a mess the economy's kind of a mess we're experiencing the great resignation where people are leaving their jobs because they're no longer feeling fulfilled by them and seeking out opportunities that are more fulfilling but there are no opportunities (laughs) so and the the other thing too is now they have a lot more remote working opportunities and the other thing about why there is a lot of opportunities in certain capacities because a lot of people died because of covid yeah which is also terrible to think about in that way um and the other thing is like i think we said this on an earlier podcast but i think we should just mention it now like the reason that restaurants are understaffed is restaurant workers were the ones who got covid mm-hmm. which means they were the ones dying of covid that's why there's yeah. a restaurant anyone soldiers. in the service industry really yeah you know uh, people working in grocery stores people mm-hmm. working and as baristas any kind of service industry job like they were at the front lines really um getting exposed yeah and it's it's really terrible yeah and it's funny because as we're talking about nostalgia like even though millennials which we did want to talk about this millennials have been through a lot of different horrible things in their lifetime um uh, donna just showed me a statistic i haven't looked it up so if it's not true please write on our website but um, i'm almost certain it is like over 50 percent of millennials uh live with their parents still yeah um, and I know that like, there's a positive spin where millennials will be like, yeah, why would I want to like have a rent and like be under all this debt and blah, 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 when I could live at home. Mm-hmm. And actually, I actually have a lot of millennial friends who are living at home who talk about, they're like, well, yeah, like I, I might have my student loans paid off in 10 years if I stay at home, Yeah, which is kind of a positive statistic. And like, it's, I bet some of them are not as negative as it sounds, but the reality is like, we can't afford a house. We like our rent. The rent is stupid everywhere. Yeah, and like we're living in this zone of where like we're just being crippled by debt constantly. Yeah, and we're told to go to college. We were also generation told to go to college. We were. Yeah. So the ex- which basically what you just said. The exact tweet um, came from Dan Price, and it said fifty two percent of young adults. So I'm assuming that it also includes some Gen Zers as well now live with their parents, the highest rate ever, surpassing the Great Depression. The most educated and most in-debt generation in history did everything they were supposed to do and got this. The system does not work. Um, So, yeah. 
And when we were kids, I remember being told, and me and Donna are roughly like we're a little. I think we're roughly about five years. Five years apart. Five years apart. Yeah. Um, Like I remember being told as a kid that you know, like go to I. Like, it was an expectation that I was going to go to college. Like, there was never a yeah. question I yeah. was supposed to go to college. Yeah, you are going to do this and get an education because we did not, is yes. basically how my parents framed it. Yeah, um, same. Yeah. And um, I remember I remember in high school, they, I don't know if they did this when you guys were in high school, but, like, I, uh, my counselor went down a list of mm-hmm. college majors. Yeah. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I always used to say computers. Yeah. And she's like, well, what does that mean? And I was like, well, because I failed a programming class, like, hard. Yeah. Like, really hard. I failed this programming class. And um, in high school, um, it just I just couldn't wrap my brain around it. I, li- I literally, I think I got an F. And, yeah. um, and I, also, I took a typing class in high school, which is, ridiculous that i had to have a typing (laughs) class um but yeah literally uh i so she was like you can go into computer science you can go into computer information systems or you can go into this or whatever i was like what's computer information systems that sounds interesting and she like kind of explained to me what it was and it didn't really make sense to me but that's what i went into Hmm. um that's what i went to college for like she had like four things on that piece of paper and then that's the majors i looked for at school damn i wish i would have had it figured out that early i let my parents and also just like any sort of outside factor kind of sway what I did. And so I changed my major multiple times when I was in college. Really? What did you go in with? Yeah. So I started out, I think, a history major. What? Yeah. Why? I was a history major at first. <laughs> and then I was a psychology major for a hot second, didn't even take any core classes for psychology. Um, Then I was a business major for, that was probably a good like year and a half. I was a business major and I took a finance course and dropped out and hated it because the guy called himself an accounting Nazi and that his course was so hard and hardly ever, people pass it and you know those professors that just like to be terrible i think i remember that professor actually yeah yeah he was awful yeah he was real rude yeah very rude and old and so old yeah yep and so that is what completely kept me from pursuing a business major was that one single professor he was such an asshole yeah he was terrible and so then I landed on the easy major i um and that was mass communications Uh, also one of the more pointless majors. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of different areas that mass communications covers. Oh, so I focused in journalism and I didn't end up finishing my degree. I dropped out my um, senior year, junior slash senior year, um, due to a lot of issues, obviously not really having a clear direction in college. And I didn't go back to school until 2021. And I went back for psychology. What I should have stuck with all along. Which is funny because, like, I think that that does fit better for who you are as a person. But I don't know if you would have been able to finish that when you were younger because you just weren't. Like, I feel like psychology is also, like, you have to kind of have a little bit of a direction in your life to, like, want to be able to do You have to have a little bit of a level head. Like, you can't be, like, dishing out advice to people when you're a complete absolute fuck up, you know? I really wanted actually to go into psychology, but I also wanted to make money. So there was that. There's that, too. Yeah, that part. Um, But I did, yeah. So, it's funny, um, as you're talking about it, I wrote... I didn't know this, and this is so stupid, by the way. I have to just admit this to you. Um, I went in pre-computer information systems. So, like, we both went to Colorado Mesa University, and, like, mm-hmm. they... I didn't know that you had to declare it, because I wrote down on when I, you know, applied to the school what I wanted to do under my major. I didn't realize you had to declare it. Yeah. And so I wasn't declared for, like, the first, like, two and a half years of my college degree. And then when I realized I had to declare it, that's when they added having to have a history gen ed to the program sheet. And so they were like, well, all of your stuff still applies, and then also on the, on the second page of the requirement sheets, there were like 10 business classes that I had to take. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah. And so I remember I loaded myself up that next semester aggressively with 
business classes mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh my god. I, the business classes were so dull. Oh, they were I, so boring. I hated them. Um, the, I mean, the entrepreneurship classes were okay because like you got to be a little bit creative, but it's also just like business people are draining. Yeah, they are. And the funny thing is like, so I, so I passed, so I have, so my, so my major is in computer information system with a minor in writing and rhetoric with a minor, also a minor in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's because my major had so many damn business classes Mm -hmm. that I had to take two more classes to get a minor in entrepreneurship. You know what? I did take a computer information systems class in my business major too. It was required to take, like, one computer. God, CIS yeah. 1 was the most yep. boring class. It was so boring. I don't know why I stayed with that major. I don't remember a damn thing from it, either. That's the thing. A lot of these courses, I don't. It's <laughs> so stupid. I don't, I don't even know why. Oh, God. I, my college... Okay, let me say it this way. My All of my education, I thought I was a certain person, and all yeah. of my education, I was wrong. Yeah. Completely wrong. That's why I never got my PhD. Like, because mm. I was like, I am so sick and tired of going into this stuff. Because I learned about myself. I just complete things. That's what it is. I just yeah. complete it regardless if I fail or succeed. Yeah. I complete it till the end. I never dropped a course. And like, I was like, okay, well, I'm just doing this now. I hate it and it's killing me inside, but this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And I would just complete it and whatever. And I know if I got my PhD, I would complete that too. And I would want to freaking shoot myself in the foot. Yeah. <laughs> and how much debt are we in? Oh, God, I, I just checked mine. Oh, and I found out that, you know, they're pushing back student loans again. Until yeah, till August. To, oh, till August. Be nice um, if they could cancel some of that. Be nice to cancel some of that horrible debt. I'm at $46,000. I've mm. been paying on it for over a decade. Mm. $46,000. Wow, no end in sight. No, no <laughs> end in sight. It started at $52,000. Mm. Um, so I've made no progress. Yeah, I'm a little over $20,000. And just adding to that, you know, <laughs> just, because just going up. I can't pay out of pocket for the degree that I'm currently trying to get. Um, so it is all grants and student loans that is doing that. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I don't make enough to like actually qualify for those things. But yeah. Um, set it and forget it. Yeah, I just <laughs> set it and forget it. And then, you know, my hope is that I work in some sort of like public service job for 10 years and just cancel all of that. But who knows? Who knows what'll, what'll happen? Yeah, I don't um, know. I kind of want to get a side job where I work a nonprofit. Yeah. I think it, I, but I think you have to work a certain amount of hours or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Um, listeners, if we know how to get us out of student loan Also, debt. can we just like agree to just not pay it back? Can we all just collectively <laughs> be like, how about we don't pay it back? Yeah, because it's killing every single person it, I know. It's, oh my gosh. I just saw something too, actually, that was like the um, student loan pause allowed people to cat- catch up on their credit card debt because they weren't constantly having to make the payments. Yeah. And so like, that's something like, I, I also do have like a certain level of credit card debt um, as well. And I'm making monthly payments on that to catch up to um, while adding also to my student loan debt, because you know, that's, that's the thing is like with these jobs too, it's like so many of them require that you have a bachelor's and I just want that. I want to say that I finished my degree and that I got it finally, you know? Yeah. So, um, and I want to have a good job someday. It's just, it's a lot. It's so much trying to get the education, stay afloat. I'm 30 years old and I don't have like a clear career path for myself. And it's scary. It's, it's terrifying. Well, especially when, um, especially when you want so badly to follow your passions. Donna and I have had a lot of passions in life mm-hmm. and whatever. And like, like I, everybody always says this, by the way, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but like a lot of people say to me, and this is going to sound like I'm bragging, but it's not just a lot of people say to me that I'm bigger than X. They always say that they're like, you're bigger than X. Yeah. And I'm like, so, cause like I recently did a show in Ashland where the owner of the establishment was there and she watched me perform. And then she was just hanging out in Portland this weekend, like the weekend after. Mm-hmm. Um, and she saw me doing like a show that had like the attendance was like 10 people yeah. at the Queen's Head or whatever. And then she drunkenly walked her way back into the dressing room as I was changing. She's like, who's Coco? And I was like, well, I'm Coco. And she goes, she's like, I just wanted to let you know, you're just so much bigger than like all of this. And you just need to know that. Like, yeah. you just need to 
you're bigger than all of this. And I don't know what that means. Like, I know what it means in concept, but like, I feel like if I was going to make it in that platform of drag, I would have to quit my job and like move to Chicago. It takes a lot or of blind move to faith. New York, like, and just like go in. Well, and not really even blind faith. It just takes like a lot of believing in yourself and having like a lot of like confidence. I mean, you talk about things like manifestation and the secret and all that. It takes like putting all your eggs in that basket and not being distracted by a career. Um, <laughs> and like, and, and the thing is, people think that I might potentially like half-ass certain things that I do in my life. The thing is, I give it a lot. But like, yeah, if I put 100% of my energy, like right before we left, I said on this podcast before, right, of, right after we left Grand Junction, I was almost about to apply to be on the city council. Yeah. Like, because I was like really moving in a political direction. Yeah. Um, the thing is when I'm passionate about something, I do give it a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of effort. But like, I also, God, that phrase kills me because I'm going to be 80 years old wondering if I missed the opportunity for X. Yeah. Or the X that these people can see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just whatever. Oh, I forgot to ask Donna, how are you doing this evening? I will let you know after this brief break. Drag Danger Zone is a monthly showcase featuring new and established performers every month, every fourth Thursday at Mississippi Pizza, located at 3552 North Mississippi Avenue. This fun cabaret variety show is hosted by Marla Darling, Valerie DeVille, and DJ Awara. For ticket info, find us on Instagram at Drag Danger Zone PDX or Facebook at Drag Danger Zone and get into the zone. The Drag Danger Zone, that is. It's a podcast with Coco and Donna tell a podcast. Tune into what they tell you podcast with Coco and Donna tell a podcast. Well, Coco, I think it's fair to say I'm feeling a little nostalgic. Because <laughs> we're talking about nostalgia. Yeah, so, it, so, you know, it's interesting, because, like, so when we were kids, like, we were talking about this before the episode started, like, when I was a kid, like, marriage quality wasn't really a thing, like, no. I I was one of the kids who had to be home before the streetlights turned on, but really that, that didn't actually mean that. My mom just meant I had to be, like, out front by the time the streetlights yeah. turned on. Yeah, yeah, we definitely, I mean, I definitely, like, rode bikes around with the neighbor kids, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, that was definitely what my childhood was about, like, it Obviously, our parents did keep a bit of a closer watch on us than maybe, like, parents of the 70s. Yes. But (laughs) (laughs) um, that was also because I think our parents were really aware of the dangers that other generations weren't. Yeah, well, because my mom was born in 1947. Mm -hmm. So my mom was born in the 40s, which is crazy to think about. Um, You know, and I've already said on this podcast, like, my mom was, like, 17 when Martin Luther King was, like, you know assassinated you know same day that um and frank died Mm -hmm. like you know these things aren't as long ago as people like to remember that they are but even like when we were kids like so like i was one of the generations like cell phones weren't really a thing yet like we had landlines yeah um and it makes me feel like i'm dating myself but like a lot of kids didn't have these things like we had one computer in the classroom Mm -hmm. like that was it and that's kind of like i grew up without technology i had like game systems like i had an atari like when I was like three years old and then I had a Super Nintendo I remember around the age of five or six yeah I was really the generation of like the N64 and the original PlayStation that was more so what I had as a kid I mean I do remember playing like Super Nintendo when I was really young Mm -hmm. but um those game systems really came to prominence when I was you know able to play them so I remember being able to buy my I bought because with my last paycheck for one of my jobs because it was like a big paycheck for me mm-hmm. i bought um a game cube and an xbox with mm-hmm. it like i was so excited because like at that time they were they had been out for a while and i think they were only like 150 dollars each and my paycheck was like 400 bucks and I yeah was like, Ew. and yeah. so like i bought a game cube and an xbox and i was so thrilled with myself for doing yeah. that yeah I'm like oh so stupid <laughs> What are some of the, I mean, obviously for you, Sailor Moon is one of them, one of the big things, but what were some of the big, like, cultural 
influences you had that you still are like crazy about today i mean pokemon i think i don't i don't think that that'll ever be a thing that i stop well the funny thing is like i so uh sailor moon got kicked off the air for pokemon Mm. like that is the pokemon took the time slot of sailor moon yeah i remember hating pokemon for a very long time because i loved sailor moon so much like i thought it was such a great show um uh, let's see the cultural significance. So, I think the funny thing is like so my my middle name in drag is Gem, mm-hmm. and that comes from Gem and the Holograms. I actually didn't watch that when I was growing up at all. Yeah, I found out about it in high school. Mm. I think um, late high school, early college is actually hmm. when I learned of Gem. I didn't know about it when I was a kid. I would yeah. love to know about that as a kid, but it was like late. Actually, no, it was early 80s, I think, yeah. is when Gem came out. So, yeah. like, um, but anyway, um, my cultural significance is I don't know if something, like, media-wise... Influenced sh- you? ...shaped me to, like, now being 35. I don't yeah. know if I had media that shaped me so aggressively. Like, I know that, like, the Powerpuff Girls was a big thing for me, because I liked that they were all about justice and stupidity. Yeah. Because um, that was a kid. I remember... Um, I think I like witchy dark things because of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's one oh, thing maybe. that as a kid I watched, like, when my parents would be watching their shows in the living room, I would run to their room and watch Buffy on their TV. Because oh. obviously my family did not want to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Of course. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Star Trek, actually. Star Trek Voyager mm. um, was actually... I liked it because it had a strong female lead. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I liked that they were problem-solving things. I really liked problem-solving things in magic. Yeah. Like, so Charmed as a kid, for me, was, like, a huge effing deal. Yeah. Like, I loved Charmed. Um, stuff like that. And then, when I was a super little kid, though, like, I remember just loving Gummy Bears. That was, like, one of my favorite shows to watch, was mm. Gummy Bears and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I remember you singing that theme song at karaoke. I love that theme song. <laughs> a, that's a dang good theme song. <laughs> I, and I used to just... Actually, the funny thing is, I think what shaped me in high school years was the fact that I loved cartoons so much. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, when I found anime... Um, I just uh, finished the first two seasons of High School Defense Club, whatever it's called, about the boys who are like Sailor Moon. Yeah. I just finished the first two seasons of that. Yeah, and the OVA. Um, I just finished all all of those right now. But yeah, I, I love... The thing that I loved about anime is it was like anime grew with me. Mm. Like anime was like really adult when I was a kid. And then as mm-hmm. I rewatched it as an adult, like it was still... Old, like it's still like now it registers differently like Inuyasha and all the themes in that mm-hmm. and the thing is like so I, I remember <laughs> this is kind of funny so one of my favorite video games of all time and actually maybe this is what influenced me was Final Fantasy X-2 mm-hmm. and there was a meme that went around that said like here's a secret like the video game you played with the kid if you replay it as adult it's not going to carry the same weight hmm. and that is true because like when i was a very little kid we played GoldenEye, but those graphics are so oh, bad so bad so bad oh, oh wow oh my god oh good god pixelated and boxy as oh, shit pixelated <laughs> is so boxy <laughs> the heads are like literal squares i was just like, like ah yeah yeah, yeah, those are, like, oh, man, like, playing that again as an adult, I, was, I don't know who the hell I was playing that with, but it was, like, really bad, and I was just like, oh, my goodness, I can't even believe we ever played this. I, you know, I kind of did play the original Kingdom Hearts, even, and oh, I, I remember the the graphics when that came out, they were, like, groundbreaking. I remember my, my parents were watching me play it, and they're like, this is like you're playing a movie, <laughs> you know, like, just yeah. different... Um, reactions to it and I don't know I that that is probably the the game that gives me the most nostalgia is is playing um, Kingdom Hearts I remember remember playing Kingdom Hearts all the way through mm. um, I'm a girl who uses strategy guides I like to get everything the first time because I'm playing oh, yeah. twice um, <laughs> I currently Adam bought me uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 is what I currently mm-hmm. have for Xbox One and um, 
I don't have a strategy guide, and it looks like they didn't make one for that game, so I might have to, like, go through, like, an online whatever, but, like, I, like, because Brady Games, you still make strategy guides, you just yeah. didn't make one for that one, and, like, because Kingdom Hearts 4... Have you seen the trailer? I have seen the trailer. It looks, it looks good. Cool. It looks really cool. It looks cool. really, really good. And, like, um, I don't know, just, like, I just, I don't know, it's just one of those things of, like, I'm just really impressed yeah with like how that game franchise has like evolved and and it did i remember simple and clean as it's the way that you're making me feel tonight it's hard to let go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love like every time that started like when yeah. you yeah like that's when you walk away <laughs> oh my gosh it was so good it yeah was that so was good. a good commercial i would listen to that song over and over again yeah actually that's mm-hmm. funny because so that song um which i don't i don't think i've said on the podcast before that song was actually made by utara hikaru which is actually because i don't know actually whatever happened to her but she was one of my favorite japanese artists really and um um and she came out with a song called prisoner of love which mm-hmm. is actually one of the songs from one of my favorite like live action not a live action it's just one of my favorite japanese dramas and the funny thing is when i visited japan because japan is real big about their marketing like every time i turned a corner it would be like I'm a prisoner. Like, it was on everything. It was on every TV, every song, every billboard, every screen mm-hmm. was Utara Hikaru singing this song, and she's the one who sang the theme song to Simple and Clean. Yeah. And so when I was in Japan, like, that was just, like, a really... Like, I guess that's one of those moments where, like, Kingdom Hearts, like, to this, and, like, all this other music that she created was just amazing. I loved yeah. it for it. it was yeah. so good. It was so good. That's cool. Um, so the other reason we wanted to talk about nostalgia is like kind of how it plays into life today a little bit as well. And I remember, like, I don't necessarily want to go into my high school years, but I remember as a kid, I had really weird, did you have, did you have, let me ask you first, did you have weird goals for yourself for when you became an adult or like not, or like goals in general that kind of you're like, oh God, no. Um, I mean, I thought I was going to be in the closet all my life, kind of. Oh, well, this just got sad. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, eventually, I think I deep down wanted to, like, be able to be myself. But I think, unfortunately, in high school, a lot of the things that I was doing were to make my parents happy. And not necessarily... So, like, actually, I would say in high school, I lost a lot of the things that made me unique and that I used to love. You know, like, I used to be way into... Dragon Ball Z, and I used to be way into, um, you know, just, like, different types of, like, I mean, like, even Buffy the Vampire Slayer and all that, you know, like, I really loved those types of things, and when I got into high school, I I became, like, a really watered-down version of myself, so... That's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I don't know, I, I think I had dreams of some sort of, like, notoriety or leaving some sort of, like, mark on the world in some way. Um, I think in high school, I probably wanted to be like a conservative politician at some point because I was indoctrinated into that way of thinking. But, um, so yeah, very weird and very opposite from how I am now as a, um, leftist and very anti-establishment, very anti, you know, two-party system. I am, well... Mine was not as so my so <laughs> what well no because like I'm bisexual probably mm-hmm. pansexual yeah. I haven't said that out loud to anybody yet I don't I'm tired of coming out of the closet I really effing am being 35 and still just effing with okay side note before I answer yeah. my question I have to say that this is because this is killing me and especially because I have I do have negative feelings about the trans community as a whole about how they aggressively push people into labels and don't let people just figure it out themselves. And it does happen a lot in the trans community. And also I need to tell everyone this and most trans people know this themselves from day to day, you wake up sometimes not feeling any of the labels for the the day before where you felt a hundred percent comfortable and a hundred percent euphoric. Yeah. Like, there are days I wake up just destroyed with my gender identity. There are days I wake up destroyed with my sexual sexual orientation. And it has to do with outside factors, internal factors, how I view myself, all these other things. Like, I, like, 
come out to myself almost on a daily basis about the labels that make me feel most comfortable. Yeah. Like, it's so jarring. And, like, and I, I, I just feel like, like, the trans community, because technically me and Donna fall under that umbrella. Yeah. Because anybody not cis is trans. Like, you just leave space for people to, like, also have bad days just sometimes. Like, that would be my rallying cry to the trans community It's just... Please give people, like, the opportunity. I have friends all the time who will be online being like, um, I I really need he, him pronouns today. Yeah. And, like, we should respect that. And, yes, not everybody sees the status or whatever, but if you do see it, how about you try to respect them in those pronouns that they want to use that day? Yeah. Like, or he, they're like, I'm a he, they today. I don't know, like, I don't know, I opened an alphabet soup today and I just was like, ah, he, they, and yeah. that's what I need. Like, but that's also reality for people who are not fitting into any of the like verbal language of identities that we've set forth. Yeah. And so just, I just want people to just leave space for people who are just effing struggling with it from day to day. For sure. And do you know what else is extremely restrictive of like gender expression and gender Mm. identity? Hmm. Capitalism. Oh yeah. That's I, I feel like not having the money and funds to like, express myself in the way that I I want to also definitely keeps me from um, exploring a lot more of my gender identity even more. Um, So that's unfortunate. Yeah, like Um, today, like for me, I like today, I was wearing a black jacket, I had a black jacket on, I had a black beanie, like my beard's at the length that I like it to be at, um, even with the salt and pepper in it. mm -hmm. And like, um, I was wearing, like, some nice jeans because I bought some smaller jeans since I've lost a little weight. And I felt very sexy. I felt incredibly euphoric. Mm-hmm. Like, it was beautiful. And then, like, two weeks ago, I was wearing a skin-tight, like, you know, dress and whatever like that, showing off my legs. I bought... My mom got me these new heels that make me feel so sexy. Mm-hmm. My body was looking right because I lost weight. And, like, my tits looked amazing. And, like, my makeup was on point, And I got this new wig that just gives me all kinds of euphoria. And, like, so, yeah, like, two weeks ago, like, my feminine side was just, like, taking over my world. But I loved it because I felt so euphoric from moment to moment. Mm-hmm. And then today I felt incredibly euphoric, catching myself in a bathroom mirror, being like, oh, my God, this is me. This is how I present. This is how I feel comfortable. Yeah. And, like, so I still identify as bigender. But, like, just, like, there was, I was struggling really hard there for, like, five seconds about, like, oh, my God, I might be trans. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, just stuff like that. And, like, sometimes it's going to change. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sometimes yeah. it does. Yeah, it will. And yeah, I think honestly it would be better if we had more opportunity to explore that. But I think that like living in the confines of the system that we currently live in yeah. keeps us from doing that a lot of the time. Absolutely. Um, and, and so uh not to go too far down that tangent, so to answer the question that I Imposed. Oh wait, no. It was like oh goals. Yeah. When I was a kid, I my goal was I wanted to by the age I was thirty when I was like roughly high school kid, I wanted to because I had an older mom and this is still a thing I struggle with today. I wanted to have kids in my twenties and I wanted to be married in my twenties. Mm. Um, but there was a period of time where I wanted to be from twenty to twenty five. I wanted to live on my own. Um. I wanted to live on my own so I could walk around my house naked and masturbate whenever I wanted to. So I've never actually admitted that out loud to anybody, but welcome, listeners. Um, yeah, here you go. Because I, I lived at my mom's house, of course, yeah. and, like, masturbation was always a secret. Yeah. And, like, because it had to be. You lived at your mom's house. and But I, but I remember thinking to myself, because sex was so exciting and fun in that way of self-pleasure, that I wanted to have my own space to be able to do that. Yeah. And, um... But yeah, I I wanted to have my own apartment, and I wanted um I wanted a studio um at first when I was like first moving out, and I wanted to have to be able to buy my own food and eat what I wanted, and like I was crave. Now that I'm older and actually di- like dialoguing this, I think I just wanted freedom. Mm. I mean, my mom wasn't really restrictive. It's just that she was a foster care provider, and there was always just like a fuck ton of people in our house all the time and i just wanted to be alone i think that's the biggest thing i just wanted to be alone and i never actually got the feeling of being alone because when i graduated from college 
I did actually live in a hotel by myself, which is weird to say, for six months after I graduated Disney from college. Disney college program? Um, the Disney college program, I had roommates. And oh, so, okay. like, a lot of roommates. So that was never really me feeling alone. It was cool for the independence, but it was when I lived in the hotel after I graduated. And then I moved in an apart- into a house with roommates. So okay. I did get it for six months. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I probably wanted some of the same things when I was younger. I, I remember watching Zoe 101 and wanting to go to Pacific Coast Academy so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, being on the beach, like, living in my own dorm room away from my family. Um, but most of all, I think as a kid, one thing I wanted that I definitely don't want now is, like, I wanted, like, absolute fame when I was younger. Like, I wanted to be famous. I wrote songs about wanting to be famous when I was a little kid. <laughs> like, I, I legit, like, I remember even for, like, my 10th birthday, we were in Disneyland, and I was most excited about going on the movie set tour in Universal Studios. So then I could see, like, where all my favorite shows were filmed and hopefully meet a celebrity and maybe I would get discovered or <laughs> something. And now that I've gotten older, fame is so awful and toxic and the platform for what it means to get like a lot of notoriety and a lot of recognition means that you have to combat constant, um, basically people that don't know you making assumptions about you constantly, constantly. And I've become a lot more reclusive as I've gotten older and a lot more private. And I realize that I want that more for myself and I don't want, all that notoriety and recognition. So it's something that I'm like also with the, even, even like with doing this podcast and kind of like making my return out into doing the live version of this podcast on April 28th at the Queen's Head, mm-hmm. um, seven to 9 PM, um, <laughs> that I, I definitely like see myself getting some anxieties about, but it's something that I also feel like it's, I, you know, I need to conquer. I need to be able to communicate with people and communicate with my community and um, just uh, accept the fact that we have made this platform for ourselves where we do get to speak out on important issues and that there's some weight to that. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think that, so I get the anxieties too. I still want to be famous, but um, I don't want to be, like, I do agree with, like, there was a, there was, like, a snippet that a lot of actors did, or actually not a lot of actors, it's just, like, talking about what fame is, like, do you want to be famous? People said, like, a lot of actors said no, because fame is disgusting, like, that's why Gaga created the fame monster, because fame is awful. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to do a thing that you love that is an entertainment and you want people to love the work that you're doing. Yeah. But that comes with fame if you get big enough and fame is terrible. Um, it can make you really depressed. Like, remember we all, everybody knows this, like Gaga got dropped by her first label. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I bet they're kicking themselves now, but like, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's true. It's, it's one of those things that's like heartbreaking. Like I went to a 303 concert on campus and I remember, I was like, God, this is so silly. Like, they used to record songs with Katy Perry and blah, 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 blah. And, like, my friend turned to me. He's like, because they're not famous anymore. Yeah. Like, that's why they're doing this college show. They're not famous anymore. Yeah. Um, And that's just, that's also, like, like Shia LaBeouf, for instance. You can lose relevancy so quickly. You can, like, with you're not consistently in front of people with the crap that you're doing. And that's kind of, that's hurtful and that's gross and the one thing I, the reason I was talking about all of that is like, I do get the anxieties of fame too. Like to make it, I would have to consistently stay relevant. And, but my mental health has taken a hit so much because of cancellation. Yeah. Even just at a local level, at a local level, like to be famous at that level, like I would have to, in some capacities play in the mud in a way I don't want to. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm done playing in the mud with people who just want to treat me terribly. Like I don't, so the funny thing is, I don't agree with Babs's phrase anymore, Babylon Brooks's phrase. I, lo- I love it, and it does make sense, but Babylon says, stop putting in an energy into people who are committed to misunderstanding you. That is a true statement, except when it's in entertainment, because what happens is, you can't get the bookings or the dialogues or the conversations if you consistently 
shut out people shut out people who have those opportunities right yeah and that's what sucks yeah like entertainment is literally going into the lion's head and more than likely getting bit yeah and attempting to change a lot of perspectives because people already have a narrative about you in their head that was either strung together by the media or you know put together by whatever platform you got famous on Mm -hmm. i mean let's for rupaul's drag race for instance or any kind of reality Mm -hmm. tv Yeah, actually, let's talk about some local drama from a very high-level perspective because of this. I think it's actually really interesting what happened recently, Um, and I'm not going to actually give weight to either side, but what I will say is this. There was an artist online um, who goes by the name Mimi Jaina who kind of, like, not attacked, but, like, had a criticism of another entertainer Sue from corporate being in a punk show. What happened at the end of this was that Sue took that, you know, posted it online and whatever and rallied followers. So technically it led to a cancellation of Mimi Jaina. And what I was seeing in the comments is people kept saying, like, who even is this person? And Mimi Jaina is kind of a newer entertainer. And and it immediately, it immediately reminded me of, like, the stuff that, you know, of course happened to me. Where people who, they're literally saying they don't know this person. Yeah. But people are now making criticisms because this person, like, attacked Sue from corporate and blah, 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 blah. And, like, do I think that either side is necessarily right or wrong? I mean, sure, I have my personal opinions. But the problem is with that level of trying to be famous in this community or famous as a drag artist or whatever is how you handle yourselves when those moments happen. Mm-hmm. Like Sue ended up creating merch from it and a lot of people actually bought the merch. Yeah. And the only reason that I think that that happened is that because this community more so sided with Sue's side of the story than Mimi Gina's. Yeah. And that led to a positive for her, for Sue. But now there's all these comments on the internet trashing this other entertainer. Yeah. So how much of a win really is it? Yeah, that's yeah. rough. I mean, I honestly, yeah, I don't know. I don't know much even about like the situation to make an informed comment on it. But, um, yeah, I think that when things like this happen, obviously, and obviously, like it was the other person's decision to go on there and and call someone out by name. And I, I, you and I have both talked about this i think when it's done in an inflammatory sense not just referential like we do on this podcast by the way just so no one gets it twisted if there are any names that are brought up it's purely for reference yeah i um at least on my end yeah and on coco's end that's kind of how it's been mm-hmm. um i i i just don't think it's really great to air that out for everyone to (laughs) because you're opening doors for people to attack either way you're you're opening doors for people to have an opinion and guess what because guess what like what if people thought that um this is actually an interesting point like what if people thought sue from corporate was in the wrong and then she like created this merch and like all of this stuff like you're giving because there were people in the community who posted like oh the girls are being messy online today you know stuff like that and that because that's the situation they were obviously talking about yeah and and you have to think about it if the community had turned against sue that would have did a number on sue's mental health yeah but the thing is like we said to be famous it's almost like you have to fight publicly to like keep your honor keep your name and that that is so toxic and that's not in every community that is a very portland thing but there is a lot of that what that happens with celebrities like lizzo's um lizzo's um rumors song mm-hmm. that she came out with actually has the line like you know read and shit like like i think the like the second course is like like read and shit on the internet my smoothie cleanse and my diet yeah like and no i ain't fucked drake yet like that's yeah what, like even it's it's in a song like you know Lindsay lohan's is rumors and like every celebrity has a song about paparazzi and the rumors about them on the internet and but that's tongue-in-cheek you know i th- I think it's cool when it's tongue-in-cheek and uh, i think even the merch that sue did was sort of tongue-in-cheek yeah um but obviously you know i th- i think there's also the instances where if you're like going back at someone and mentioning them by name it just adds fuel to the fire and it does i don't know it's not not anything that i'm about honestly if anyone ever mentioned me i would just gray rock them i wouldn't (laughs) gray rock yeah i would give them the gray rock treatment it's what it's how you handle um 
narcissists and people who have sociopathic tendencies, you you act like a gray rock. You give them no reaction and act like the most boring person whatsoever because people are seeking the reaction. Yeah, I've actually... The funny thing is... See, that's what sucks, though. Which is, that's what's really interesting about that point. Is because uh, I have been asked why, outside of this podcast... Because um, people want me to name names and just give all dirty details. And mm-hmm. in some of our most popular episodes are when we somewhat get into the nitty gritty without ever saying names because that's yeah. just how we are. And it's, it's so I believed in Donna's mechanism because it can save your mental health. Yeah. Like if you just give them nothing. Yeah. Um, give them no reaction whatsoever. But what happens with the internet is that they will then write a full narrative about you. And... um. Actually, we got a comment on our last podcast, actually, from some people in the community, was I said, it just seems sometimes when you cancel people online, it just seems like they really just want the person to kill themselves. Yeah. And they said that that line was really impactful to them because they did want to know, like, what is the resolution? Is that really what they want from me? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I have, I want to amend that because that was really harsh and I was in my feels in the moment. I want to amend it to saying, um, because it's usually about drag artists in this capacity, when it's about drag and they're talking about you online, they want you to quit drag and no longer be in their spaces. I thought mm. about that really hard. They want you to disappear. They want you to disappear. not bu- And they would feel guilty if you died or killed yourself, but they want you to stop doing drag and they want you to not be in any of their spaces. Yeah, because they think that you're like a toxic component of the com- community in their lens. Yeah, so I, yeah. I'm glad I remembered that when this conversation because I did want to amend that to not like put too much weight on the words that people have said otherwise. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That well, was a tangent. Yeah, I mean it was. We're, here we are talking about nostalgia and then we get into the price of fame and, <laughs> right. and that's because you wanted to be famous as a kid or yeah. like and then now you don't anymore. But let's yeah, just don't. let's circle back real fast like to the nostalgia stuff. I think that um actually and I'm going to ask you this question. Yeah. Do you think Oh, did we do this on an earlier episode? If we did, we can skip it, but like do you rem- what would you say if you were on Drag Race and like you had the picture? And if we have done this before, I think we should just do it again because I think it would be interesting. Yeah, my perspective's probably changed since the last time we did this. If we have, uh, um, let's do let's do a picture where you're seven years old. Seven year old Donovan. So I'll be real. Donatella, <laughs> what would you say to seven year old insert by name here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would tell seven year old me that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try and repress what is different about you. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to try and sway you in a direction that isn't true to yourself because they want to mold you into the idea of what they think you should be. And to that... You need to ignore it. You need to be incredibly independent, strong, and unique, regardless of the consequences it may bring you. And you'll thrive, because otherwise there'll be a lot of years just spent not loving that part of yourself. That's good. Yeah. I should have had you go second. <laughs> I do actually remember that we have done this before. We have, yeah. Actually, as you started, I was like, well, you have to say the thing. Coco, what would you say to seven-year-old, insert name here? <sighs> um, I will change it, actually. I do kind of remember what I said. I kind of remember what you said, too. Um. You are a little wrong in the direction that you think that your life is going to. Uh, those feelings that you feel inside are real. They will not go away just because you were raised by women. Um, you like to wear dresses, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you will forever, even in your adult life, feel guilty from that, but you're going to start finding euphoria in that. And I know you don't know what that word means, but <laughs> you're actually going to feel comfortable in women's clothing when you're a little older for reasons outside of just putting them on. Um, You also need to recognize that you are a go-getter and everything that you've done in life um, up until this point is preparing you 
even at seven years old, from the bullies that you've had to deal with, from the sad moments you've had, from the foster siblings that you've gotten into arguments with, everything is preparing you to um, the fact that you know how to talk to people and you will learn how to talk to people. And you have literally accomplished so much. You will accomplish so much if you just put your mind to it. I would caution you on second guessing a lot of your decisions. Don't live for regrets. Live for the chances that you haven't taken and live for the chances that you will take. I was like, and don't look back. Yeah. Just keep moving forward. And I promise you, you will end up where you need to be. And, um, and just remember that that cute boy who works at the, like the natural groceries, like (laughs) he's really pretty and you should not just ignore that because guess what? You you might be pleasantly surprised when you see somebody who might be out of your league. Mm, that was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Good Good job, both of us. <laughs> We're great. <laughs> We're so great. Oh, but um, we need to, the, how we should in this episode is we need to talk, like, we have a Patreon. We do. Yes. It's a gem of a secret podcast at Patreon, um, spelled exactly as our podcast is spelled. And yeah, we would like to get some ideas on what you would like to see if you do become a patron. Um, and uh, I'm thinking some bonus episodes, maybe some exclusive content. I'm thinking um, that the live show should probably be released there first. Yeah, um, I agree. And then they will come to all the other listeners weeks later. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Our first interviewee for the live show yes. um, is going to be Astrid. Astrid is a gender nonconforming individual um, who is black, um, who's been through a lot of different things in this community specifically. They are currently helping out the Queen's Head while we're doing our first run through of this show. Uh, we are sorry in advance for any and all audio quality issues that may come from that episode. It's our first run. It's our first run through. But we're so excited to see all of you out there getting to hear the conversations that we're going to have with Astrid. Yeah. And we love them so much. Yes, we do. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of A Gem of a Secret podcast. The hosts of A Gem of a Secret podcast are Donna and Coco Gem Holiday. You can follow Donna at Donatella underscore my secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Gem Holiday at Coco Gem Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at Touche Likes Beef and Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more content, follow them online at www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com.